Amen. So recently, by the way, my name is Ernie Federico, and I'm currently the elder chair. Pastor Grant came to me, which is also a friend of mine, and he just told me that he's going to go to Ukraine. And my first thought was, huh? My second thought, though, was more spiritual. It was now? But the third thought was, well, if anyone could survive, Pastor Grant could do it. I've always known that Pastor Grant has a huge heart. He, while other people are thinking about what to do, Pastor Grant's going because he sees a need. If there's anybody hurting, no matter where it's at, he's there. He reminds me of David in this way. So Grant takes his work personally and makes it his top priority. Grant's, Grant runs up to giants and God delivers him. So, so when one of our own does a prophet's work, we all get equally blessed. And today, we get to hear firsthand the work God is doing and the experiences Pastor Grant witnessed in Ukraine. It'll be my privilege to ask Pastor Grant questions regarding this trip. So, without any more delay, are you ready, sir? I'm ready. All right. And these are also in your bulletin if you want to read along, but... What were you thinking when you decided to go to Ukraine, or were you even thinking? Well, first of all, the reason the questions are in your bulletin is so he couldn't change them for Sunday morning, okay? What was I thinking? That's a good question, Ernie. You know, it started when I was on a conversation with Manny Fernandez, and typically, you know, he'll call the church a couple times during the year and kind of express what his travel plans are, because Mark sometimes will accompany him, sometimes I'll accompany him. And he called and said that um, he, he, was, uh, he had a campaign coming up to plant 300 churches in Caracas, Venezuela, and, um, and that one of his donors, their supporters, gave him a very large check to support the churches in Ukraine and asked that he would steward that check personally to Ukraine. And I remember on the phone, I said, why do you get all the cool stuff? And he just said simply, do you want to go? And I said, yes, I want to go. Hold on, let me ask my wife and my boss, but uh, as Ernie said, both said yes, and I think the next day uh, his wife, Glenda, was booking my ticket. You know, and I think what I was thinking is, you know, AOC, Ambassadors of Christ, you, you got the tattoo, right? Um, um, no, there are six of us. I do. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when we fed the homeless, we did that on the first Saturday of every year for, what, 11, 12 years? And we used to see the miraculous hand of God provide. I remember one time we had a meeting in our house, and we were like, what, what theme should we do? Because we always used to theme these outreaches. We had carnivals. We had pony rides under the freeways. And we're like, what is it that we have never done? And my sister said, what about hoagie sandwiches? You know how you go to a, a deli? And, you, and we said, okay, hoagie sandwiches it is. And the very next day, your wife calls me, because at that time she was working at Perko's, and she said, you're not going to believe this. Someone just donated a bunch of sliced deli meat. And I, I recall seeing that so many times, 10,000 Johnsonville sausage. How many times did it rain on us when we were feeding the homeless? God would protect us from the rain between the hours of 12 and 2, right? You saw it. Absolutely. And I thought that if I went to Ukraine, that I would see the hand of God move because we stopped feeding the homeless in March of 2020 because the demographic changed where there were no longer kids. There were people coming from encampments wanting four and five boxes, 
to go back to their camp because they didn't trust anyone and and there was no fellowship they weren't interacting with us so God was saying to shut it down we shut it down but then I felt like I, I, I didn't see him move anymore and if I went to Ukraine and an invitation was already offered uh, you know most people think that you know when when uh, a country's hit with war or there's illness or there's despair and grief they want to say where's your God there but I know that he's at the very heart of all that and if I went there I'd see him yes amen so this powerful story by the way um, did you ever feel that your life was in danger while you were there only once and that's when I came home and told my wife and sister I wanted to go. <laughs> Wasn't sure I was going to make it through that night. No, actually, I felt that if God was calling me to Ukraine to show me what he was doing there, that, that he would protect me and keep me safe. You know, Isaiah 41.10 says, uh, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So no, I was not afraid. Yeah, I see that in you every day. And the fear of Lisa every day. <laughs> um, by the way, great Batman socks. Okay. okay, okay, let's not focus there, now that I said that. Uh, did you find any joy among the Ukrainian people while you were there? Uh, yes, I, I, I did find... Do we have the PowerPoints? Do we have the... Next one. Next one, please. There. Okay. So, yes, I found joy. Uh, but it was a very guarded, guarded joy. You know, making sure that they don't become too happy. You know, but what I really saw was a resiliency and a, and a resolve that they were going to live their lives and not let this war impact them. You know, and those boys that you see right there, uh, this was the last day that we were there. And they, they were in a region where the Russians were just pushed back, and they were selling those little flags that you see Manny and I have, um, and they were giving the proceeds to the Ukrainian soldiers. You know, that's the resolve I saw. So I guess the joy I saw is, um, is the joy that James, the half-brother of, of Jesus, says in James 1. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So that would probably be the joy that I saw. Amen. Amen. Did any particular person or persons make an impact on you? Yes. Um, can we pull up a slide? The next slide, please. Ruslan Kmitz and Manny Fernandez. And you can tell I really looked up to those two. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, so Ruslan, right there, the bigger guy, he is the president of Kiev Theological Seminary. He's also a graduate of that seminary. Every single church we visited uh, is pastored by a graduate of, of that seminary. So, and this guy looks like he could wrestle a Siberian bear, but he's got the heart of lamb. And then Manny Fernandez, he is the, the founder and the CEO of WorldLink Ministries. I believe they started that back in 1991, but... Um, he, uh, their primary focus, and Quail supports uh, he and that ministry, but their primary focus is spreading the gospel, proclaiming it everywhere they go, and planting churches. And currently, they're planting churches in Cuba, in Vietnam, in Venezuela, in, um, in um, Sri Lanka, not Sri Lanka, Sierra, Sierra Leone, Brazil, um, and of course, Ukraine. 
And, um, and when you say planting churches, because you get his newsletters and, and it says, he talks about planting 300 churches in Venezuela or, or hundreds and hundreds of churches. You heard uh, Ruslan say that. Uh, I'd expect to be little house churches, kind of like the dinner we had at your house last night, right? But uh, they're not. If you could take it to the next slide, please. That is Transformation Baptist Church. That's the first church I visited. And, um, and that is one of the original church plants back in 2004. Take note of those, those stairwells there. And so that's the first church I visited, and I was extremely impressed with every church I visited. What, um, uh, what they would do there, can you run the next slide, please? That's the interior. Go ahead and run it one more. So what they did there is they, they took in uh, refugees, you know, people who lost their houses, their property, or whatever because of the war. And in Ukraine, it's not like our housing tracks that we have here. You know, there, no house looks the same. None of the materials even the same. And when it's destroyed, you have a choice to either start all over again or pick up and move and start over somewhere else. So a lot of these people were coming in to Kiev, and, uh, and they would get interviewed and registered by Transformation Baptist Church. And once they were registered, they were scheduled an appointment. And when they came in for that appointment, they met with um, one of like our lay counselors, okay? And they're, they're, they were checked for emotional health. You know, how are you doing emotionally? Are you worried about anyone back home? Is there anything else that we can do for you? Once they were, their emotional check was done, then there was a spiritual check. The gospel was shared with each and every person that comes through, and then they're taken to another individual who actually explains every single program that the church offers to these refugees. And then... Only then, after all of that stuff is done, are they given a box of food and then taken to that tent right there where uh, they're giving clothing because this was end of September, early October, uh, and winter was coming in. So, um, so that's, that's what they did. All the churches uh, did that same thing, but they also had a focus on handicap people. And I kept trying to say, no, we don't call them handicap. We call them special needs. And he'd be like, what special needs? And I would say, well... These people are really special, and they have needs that we don't have. Oh, I liked it. Special needs. So we have a handicap service at 1 o'clock. So, so they have this focus on, uh, on special needs individuals. And what they noticed is that when the war started, the special needs people weren't attending service anymore. You know, because um, the time it takes to get them to and from church is too much time to be exposed, right? And so can you run the next slide? The one after this, please. So this was their special needs service at 1 o'clock every Sunday in the main floor, in the downstairs floor of Transformation Baptist Church. But like I said, when they went out and started looking for their people, and they found them. They found them hunkered down with their caretakers because they're scared to expose these kids. You saw in the video where they said that they would shoot at them, right? And so um, those special needs individuals told them where there's other special needs individuals, and their numbers started to grow. Can you show the next slide? Because this is their special needs service now. The only issue with that is it requires 12 men before the service and 12 men after the service. Because I told you about taking note of those stairwells. This is how they get them up. Look at the face on that kid. So anyways, from there, we went to a church that was um, probably northwest of Kiev called in Irpin. And if you go to the next slide. Oh, no, that's, that's Stas. That's their um, special needs pastor. It's like Brandon here. 
<laughs> so this is the church in Irpin, and you can't really see it here, but what really impressed me is they do the same thing with refugees and all that kind of stuff, but go ahead and go to the next slide. They were meeting during the war. Those sandbags are just to keep glass from coming in if they're, if they're uh, impact blast during one of their services. Go ahead and run to the next line. That's the inside of their sanctuary. So these churches that World Link is, is, is planting aren't tiny little house churches. I'm sure the churches in Cuba and Vietnam and Venezuela are, aren't, you know, like this, but um, they are substantial churches and they're preaching the gospel. If you can go to the next slide, please. Uh, one more. So the other thing they were doing is World Link supplied funds for them to repair a couple homes that were completely destroyed. And this is one of them. If you go to the next slide. We actually met and interviewed the couple that lived there. And, um, and you know, it hit in the middle of the night. And they were looking for each other, not knowing if each other survived. And they're looking with their cell phone flashlights. You know, that's really heartbreaking. But anyways, go ahead and go to the next slide. This is the, what they were rebuilding when we were there. It, yeah. Amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and the other thing they did is, you know, Russia was trying to isolate the people, so they would blow up all of the gas stations, right? So this church in Irpin made a mobile gas station. They mounted like a 500-gallon uh, tote on the back of a... Okay, I know in Europe they don't go by gallons. They go by liters. I just don't know how many 500 liters. Actually, I do know that's 1,892.7 liters. Thank you, Rain Man. Yeah, but that does not sound near as cool as 500-gallon tote. But anyways, they would mount it on a truck, and they could tow it. Uh, into different villages, and they put a, you know, mounted a, 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 a car battery uh, operated pump, and they wouldn't go and fill up everyone's gas tank, but they would put enough petrol or diesel into where these guys weren't just isolated and, and could at least get around and get the stuff they needed. Oh, I looked up to those guys, too. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I can here. see it back there. Go ahead and run the next slide. You can all that, turn around. Yeah, that's and... the team that, that did it. And um, the guy on the far left is in, in charge of the construction. Then, of course, there's the bear wrestler, myself, Manny Fernandez. That's the senior pastor there. And Andrew is on the far right. He was our translator. So. Wow. Yeah. Like I said, I, I looked up I, to them, I too. It's amazing that they're building, and it could be blown up tomorrow. Yes. I mean, I would probably be like, well, why build it? But that's the resolve. Yes. That says a lot about them. Yes. Okay. And then we went on. to a church. No, I went to a church in Kozoletstown. If you okay. run the next slide. Okay. No, that's that's Earpin. That's where they do the, the, the refugee thing. Go ahead and run the next slide, please. So this is uh, Bogdan in the blue uh, vest, and um, he, he pastors a church in uh, Kozoletstown. And what he's done is he actually uh, started a rehab house and, and ministers to the addicts in the area. And, um, and he gives them a, a trade in building. So not only did, did, did he help them kick whatever uh, uh, addiction they had, but gives them a, a, a trading, a, excuse me, a, a building skill trade, and they built their own rehab house, and they built their own church. And when we were there visiting, after, a, um, after we did a, a VBS, we went to another region which uh, was really hit hard by the war. And I think if you run to the next slide, you'll see it. So that's his team of builders, and if you look at that house behind them, if you run to the next slide, that's what it was. You know, and that's a home. I mean, who shoots homes like that? If you go to the next slide, please. 
That was the inside of his house. So the older man that you saw that looked traumatized, that's his house. The one that took his cat into the basement, go to the next side, please. That was his house. And so, so, so Bogdan's team went in, and not only did they repair other houses in the neighborhood and stuff, but they actually rebuilt his house completely. If you go to the next slide, that's what it looks like now. Go ahead and run to the next slide. And, and so the neighbors, so he, he doesn't live in the same village as, as, as Bogdan's church, but I think his daughter goes to Bogdan's church and let them know, so they wanted to reach out into this particular village. And so they, not only did they rebuild his house, but they also fixed holes and roofs, so things would, but all the neighbors were like, hey, so that's great, my roof doesn't leak, but you know, <laughs> this guy got a whole new house, what's, what's up with him? You know, and they said, well, his daughter goes to our church. And World Link supplied funds, and she asked, could we do it? And they did it. And if you go to the next slide, we were there. That church opened the day I was there because of all that effort in that particular uh, neighborhood. And we gave away food there for the very first time. It, amazing. And then if you run to the next slide, um, I believe it's a VBS. No, so that's the gentleman that got the food. That's his daughter, and that's her husband, I believe. So then we ran a, a, uh, went to a VBS on the outskirts of town and provided food. You saw the video. That's where we shared the gospel with these individuals. Go ahead to the next slide. And to the next slide, please. So seeing all that. You know, I, I have already v visited these three different churches, and, um, and that's, the only church, that's the number I could see because it took us two days to get in from Warsaw. It took us two days to get out from Warsaw, and just all of the traveling, all the checkpoints and everything, um, you know, it just really slows you down. But every single church I saw was tending to the needs of their community, whether it was petrol stations or whether it was uh, rebuilding homes or whether it, whatever it was, they were attending to the needs. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, Jesus in Matthew 16, 18, uh, you know, when Peter confesses that he's the Messiah, he, he says, um, and I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'm like, that's the church I'm looking at. This is an Acts 2 church. So, very impressive. Yes. Yeah. Say so at. I'm sorry. Acts 2, 42 is the fellowship of believers. It's, it says, if, if it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everybody was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Amen. I could keep reading. Yeah, no, let's go. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's what I was seeing. They had everything in common. Mm -hmm. They sold their possessions and their goods, and they gave to anyone as he had need. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and they continued to meet daily in the temple courts. That's church, you guys. They broke mm -hmm. bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God for the favor of all the people. Mm -hmm. And the Lord yeah. added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yes. That's what you heard him say. Yeah. More people, more people. Yeah. Okay. That was powerful. So did you sense God was speaking to you about anything specific while you were there or even after you left Ukraine? 
Yes, both. Uh, while I was there, uh, while at Transformation Baptist Church, there was a pastor from eastern Ukraine that was there trying to give them advice on dr drilling a, uh, a clean water well on the church property. And so I said, uh, why is the water bad? And he said, well, no, it's a post-communist water system, which is centralized, and if it gets contaminated, all the water's contaminated. So, and plus it gets really cold at night. So I figured I'd drill my own well in my own church so that if anything happened, at least my church would have water. Well, the war, that was four months before the war hit. Well, the war hit, contaminated his water, and his church became the only source of clean water in his entire village. Wow. And, um, and he said that Ukrainian people are very simple. And he said they look at those Golden Dome Eastern Orthodox churches, and there's no water there. And then they look at this church. He said, we were adding 20 and 30 people every single Sunday. Yes. Wow. So I thought, we have a water well program. <laughs> um, and it, it, I mean, it's the recycling program. When you guys bring in your water recyclables, you know, we redeem them, we get money, and, um, and we have drilled four wells. Go ahead and run the first slide. This is a well at uh, the seminary in Kiev. Go ahead and run the next slide. That's clean water coming from that well, and that's already been drilled, you guys. Go to the next well. That is um, uh, at Transformation Baptist Church. Go ahead and run to the next slide. That's water running. Now, I got to be honest. I was confused when he sent me that picture. I'm like, man, where's the big pump? Y you know, where's that big pump? Well, actually, the pump was that blue thing in the ground, and they just connected all the water to their entire church. So they don't need that pump. They just need spigots, you know. So go ahead and run to the next slide. That's the water system being put in in Bogdan's church in uh, Kozulitz town. You can go to the next slide. This all happened after you after, came back. Th this was in two months after we, I got back. Wow. So, so that's what God was telling me to do while I was there. And now they, um, as a matter of fact, let me read a letter that he sent me thanking you guys for the water wells. It says, um, I'm writing to thank you for your kind donation of $14,000 that we have received through WorldLink Ministries. Your donation was used to build four water wells on the territories of Transformation Church and Kiev Theological Seminary and churches in the Libarsky village and Kozolets town. These water wells become a source of life regarding the recent attacks of Russian missiles and drones on the critical infrastructure of Ukraine. For the last several months, Ukraine has experienced unprecedented and uh, severe blackouts. Without electricity, Ukrainians do not have any water in the homes. Um, in the homes. Uh, can you run the next slide? in the houses and the local supermarkets are closed. Therefore, people, go ahead and go to the next slide, are forced to wander in the neighborhood trying to find water to bring home to their families. Government cannot uh, provide enough water for everybody. Therefore, if churches have water wells, they become unofficial survival centers. The churches welcome the people from the neighborhood, provide water, and share the hope of the living God with those who lost hope. Um, the, the copies of this letter in the foyer, if you'd like to take some, we have, we've also provided them a couple other things that they have thanked us for, but um, you guys made a difference immediately. So. Wow. By the way, thank you, Lisa, for saying yes. Yeah. And not killing me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot's happened. What is your prayer for Ukraine? Wow, that's tough. Um, you know... Um, First and foremost, that the war would stop, right? But, you know, and I, I know it looks difficult now, but that one day, they would be able to forgive the Russian brothers, man. You know, Jesus, in Luke 
23:34, Jesus hanging on the cross models it for us. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And moreover, um, Stephen, in Acts 7, you, you know, he, he says, um, in Acts 7, 56, I think he says, uh, um, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And that's the only time Scripture, you know, um, portrays Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It's usually he's sitting at the right hand or take a seat at my right hand or he's at my right hand or he's at the right hand of God. But this time he's standing. And theologians will tell you he's standing because Luke, who's a physician, is portraying him as an advocate for Stephen before God the Father. And they'd be right. You know, they'd be right. But me, in my warped mind, <laughs> it's, it's almost like he knows what Stephen's going to say. Because later, he, he, Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He falls to his knees. But then he cries out, Lord Jesus, do not hold this sin against him. And to me, that's when Jesus stands up and he's just like... Mm -hmm. Standing ovation. Yeah. yeah. Standing yeah. ovation. But, yeah. But don't tell Mark I said that because that doesn't go against our theology. That goes against our theology. That's just my warped mind. Okay. Did you witness anything that brought you to tears while you were there? Yes, I, 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 I did. Um, uh, can you go to the next slide? All right, that happened while we were there, and it was reported while we were there. And under that dog is, um, is a boy, a little girl, a wife and a mother, and a mother-in-law. The husband and the father of that house is not home yet. He's going to come home, right? And look at that dog. That dog's not leaving. And that brought a tear to my eye, um, but it also brought hope because that man's going to come home, and, and he's lost everything. But he didn't lose that dog. And if that guy's going to make it, I, I bet you he's going to lean heavily on that dog. And I bet you that dog is going to lean heavily on that guy. And that's what I meant when, when I said in, in the middle of war, in the middle, God always leaves a sliver of hope. And we just got to look for it. And so it brought a tear to my eye, but mm -hmm. to me, there's hope there. Yeah. And then one other thing. Go ahead and run that slide. This guy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you saw him in the video. He was telling us that, that Russia, if you look at that house, the blue peak, that's a house his next-door neighbor. Well, Russia, Russians occupied that house for months. And the first thing they did is they took his cow, and they started to milk his cow. And, um, and he, was, he told me that, that he said, milk the cow. Drink as much milk as you want, but you have to feed it. Because if you don't feed it, it'll stop giving milk. And the second it stopped giving milk, they shot it. You know, and, and then he told me that in the evenings they would get drunk, you know, and then they would start shooting at his house, knowing that they're not going to kill him, but just thinking it's funny, you know, and laughing about it and everything. That broke my heart and brought a tear to my Yes. Wow. His eyes tell the story. Yep. If you go to the next slide, he's telling me, he's showing me where the bullet holes are in his fence. Mm. So, yeah. <sighs> Do you have a message for us at Quail? Yeah, I, I do, actually. So, uh, you know, I saw this Acts 2 church, and I'm like, man, this, this is an Acts 2 church. And, and, and they were, every single church I went to, they said pe people were coming, they were adding people every single Sunday. And it's no wonder they're adding people every Sunday, because you're Acts church. You're the church that Christ built. You know, and so I come home thinking, 
man, we could learn a lot from that. You know, what could we do that could be better? You know, and so I kind of was struggling with that a little bit, going, these guys are in the middle of war. You know, we go home and we have cable TV. We got all this stuff, and these guys are effective. We could learn something from them. You know, and then I believe it was um, October 21st. You know, um, uh, we were getting ready for Harvest Carnival. And usually, um, before an event, we go across the street to the school and we give coffee and hot chocolate to the grumpy parents dropping their kids off and um, inviting them, right? And, and so we did that. And then afterwards, if you've heard Pastor Mark, we're trying to get a, uh, it's called Child Evangel Evangelism Fellowship uh, installed as a uh, after-school uh, club there. And so afterward, I had a meeting with the principal and Joel Kripe, who is the, the representative of CEF. And I just remember sitting across from the principal, and she just had this smirk on her face, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, okay. And then before the meeting started, she said, can I just say, my kids love your church. And I said, well, our, my church loves your kids. And she goes, no, no, you don't understand. They know everything you're doing. They know every event that you do. They knew you were going to be here today. I go, really? And, um, and, and that took me by surprise because that means they're coming to our events. Because they didn't say, my kids love you, Grant. They said, my kids love your church. So they've experienced all of you, you know? And so that really took me by surprise a little bit. You know, I started walking back across the street when we were done thinking maybe our suckiness wasn't as sucky as I thought in the beginning, you know? Yeah. Amen. But then <laughs> I get across the street. It's the third Friday. I see Lily. I see Jerry. We're giving away 75 boxes of food to people who are in need. Okay less sucky. You know, I mean, we're still doing stuff. And then after we give all those food boxes away, Leroy Russell, Joe Billingsley, we have Shauna Pierce. She comes and picks uh, boxes up to take to the shut-ins. They take all the leftover stuff and take it into our community, take it into our shut-ins, take it into homeless people and everything else. And then I'm thinking to myself, okay, that doesn't suck at all, right? Mm -hmm. And then October 22nd, we did oil changes for, for single women and, and, and widows. And we had people provide for that, selling their goods and professions. Uh, and possessions and giving to those who had need. Mm -hmm. All the oil was supplied to us, you know. Then I came to the point, well, okay, we don't suck at all. I suck. I'm the one that came back with a bad attitude, <laughs> you know. And, and what I learned is I thought I had to go to Ukraine to see God's hand at work, you know. And I, I don't think I did. I, I think I was just looking in the wrong spots, you know. I, I think our context is different. And I, I, think, I think we're doing a pretty good job here, man. I mean, it's not just the outreaches that we have to our community. I mean, if you're in the hospital and you let us know, someone's coming. You know, even if you don't want us to come, we're coming. Uh, we have mm -hmm. discipleship. We have life together groups. We break bread in our homes and eat together with glad and sincere hearts. Yeah. I, you guys are doing yeah. good. You guys are killing it, man. Amen. Amen. You guys, do you yeah. want me to tell you why you guys are killing it? No, I, actually, I'm going to do, do Jesus to you and give you a standing ovation. Because the measure of whether or not you're an Acts church and, is, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Since January of 2022, 82 people have come to faith in Christ through this church and through your guys' efforts. 30 of them have been baptized. And I applaud you because this building that we're sitting in, the sanctuary, the stage, this is not the church. The staff, um, the elders, you know, our special needs pastor, this is not the church. <laughs> this is not the church. You guys are the church. And uh, I'm telling you, you're killing it. We don't tell you that enough. Amen. If you could send a message to Russia, what, what, it, would, you, what would you like to tell them? Stop. 
and stop. To the guys who were shooting at that old guy, I bet you wish you had your ammo back. Because <laughs> right. we're running out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After witnessing what you experienced in Ukraine, what has Quail done to support them? So um, uh, we've done a couple things. We have provided, go ahead and run to the next slide. We have provided them generators, so when they get, uh, the power goes out, at Kiev Theological Seminary and a couple of the different churches there, they can have warming, set, uh, uh, warming centers where they can charge their phones, do all that kind of stuff. And so go ahead to the next slide and provide them uh, fuel for that as well. And then the other thing we did, um, obviously, is the Didasco program. Now, um, we actually capped that at 5,000. They needed 10,000 to do it, but our, our giving has been down, so we wanted to cap that at 5,000 and say, you know, that's half. We funded half of it, and we did. So thank you very much, you guys. But WorldLink was so impressed with what all of you guys have done with the generators, with the wells and everything else. They said, we're going to go ahead and match your gift, and they got their 10,000. Well, amen. Thank you, church. Yeah. All right, Pastor Grant. First of all, thank you for that. Thank you for being the hands and feet of Quail and God. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. thank you. God. Come on, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Amen. Hey, can, can I can I say this? Can I can I just read? I, I got this text from Ruslan this morning at 7.10. He said, December 29th was massive rocket attack in Kiev. One rocket was, uh, was directly bombed a house in uh, Bortnichi village, close to Kiev. Andrew, who was our translator, uh, his home is 50, 500 meters away from that target. Andrew said it was very loud and scary. All day, the 31st and the morning of January 1st were rocket and drone attacks. Most uh, rockets and drones were knocked down but Kiev has serious damages. So as I offer the benediction, can I also pray for Ukraine, please? So um, we're going to have prayer counselors, correct? Yeah, so, so I'm going to offer the benediction. Guys, thank you so much for allowing me to go and, and view all the stuff that I saw. Um, it's, you guys are amazing. You, you really are. And, and you guys look at us. We should be looking at you because you guys are the church. And the church is here for you. If you have anything, don't, don't take it home with you today. Meet with the prayer counselors here, uh, at the, right here by the piano and the organ, and they would love to pray with you. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, uh, for this church, Lord. Thank you for, for the, the loving and the obedient hearts, God, that, that just they model your love, they model your, your compassion, your grace, and your mercy, God. And I am so grateful to be a part of it. Um, God, uh, dismiss us today with hearts to, to see those who are marginalized. Uh, God, give us joy as we enter this new year to, to, if anything that we can do, that we can improve our relationship with you. God, I, I pray that you would give us that strength and that kind of vision. So again, dismiss us with your blessing. Let it, no one leave this building without experiencing your love and grace in Jesus' name. Amen.